Scott Running believe the hype the ultra carbon RC are the business an excellent shoe for the gravel and rolling trails harken back to the good old days of the do it all trail running shoe um these are actually fantastic I've been running around a pair for a couple of weeks head along to scottrunning.nz to order yourself a pair but be quick because stock is limited Oosh. well thanks uh did you know that they have such an array of benefits for you as a VIP member? Not only the trial directory, not only the peak directory, not only access to Rob's couch, not only the shop, um, but there's just the general good vibe of being a Wild Things VIP member. So go along, check out wildthings.club, sign yourself up, do it. Do it. And get yourself some currents I mean I could reference the first ever ads that we ever ever did on DCR uh, when we had the whole bit about Ultra sending us threatening letters uh, because we had uh, besmirched them but I, I, I won't do that but I am sorry that I called the nerds at Currens Eggheads um, that was wrong and this week uh, our guest is Currens Athlete Dan Jones, he was drug tested at Western States, but Currens are batch tested, quality control, so you didn't have to worry about anything sus getting into the purple pills. Um, 100% natural, helps keep the gut good in hot conditions and great for recovery and immunity. We could go on forever, but look, see what all the nerds have to say at currens.co.nz. They've got the science for you. Speaking of science, well, it's less. It's less quantitative, it's more qualitative, further faster. It's been wet, we can all agree on that. Uh, head along to furtherfaster.co.nz to check out the blog where the team at the shop run down their favourite waterproof jackets for their adventures in Aotearoa ski touring, trail running, hiking, adventure racing, orienteering, and lurching about at festivals. Also, maybe some dog walking thrown in there. The team are the subject matter experts, and Further Faster is the best independently owned outdoor store in the known universe 57A Buchan Street Sydenham Christchurch Otutahi Aotearoa get it further faster there in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jack is delicious go further faster now go further faster there in Christchurch Rocky is hairy and so is Badger Jules is nice and Jack is delicious go further faster now Ditchitch Radio Episode 246 of Dirt Church Radio, I'm Matt Raymond. And I am Eugene Bingham, Tēnā koutou, no mai haeremai. We made it. We made it, mate. We did. We did. We had a good mission in the forest yesterday. We made yeah. that. We made that. That was that was exceptionally good. Mm. Um, one person training for Naseby, one person training for Blue Lake, and... Uh, the longest run we've had together in a couple of years, actually. Probably, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, you remarked on that during the run, and I was like, no, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And turns out, like always, you're right. Well, not like always, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good band average. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. We we met some. We met some friends, we yep. saw some people, the the, the conditions were amazing, um, both yes. went home very triumphant, my legs are very sore. Yes. No, no, and sore, sore legs are a thing for the weekend. Um, yes. It is a little bit warm for my liking if I'm training for Naseby, i got to say, but um, yeah, but apart from that, 
a good session. I enjoyed it. Car park. Car, what, how good is a car park, a first aid, car park first aid station? Yeah. You know, into the boot. It's so good. fantastic. Yeah. Can't beat it. You, you yeah. get your own, you can set it up the way you like. Yeah. Uh, all your favorite stuff's in there. It's no yeah. crowds. Yeah. Um, I would pre-mix the tailwind. I, I mean, I didn't like to say. That was a rookie move on my part. That was yeah. a rookie move. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to rip but, the top you know, off each one. You take it, take take my performance down to an A minus, maybe. But um, speaking of sore legs, oh, maybe she has sore legs. Probably According not. to Walter, yeah, on her warm up for the wild. <laughs> what do you, I mean? It, ooh, well, what do we? What do we? What are we thinking with Western States course record smashed? Hard Rock course record obliterated fastest ever human being to do the uh, double, you know, uh, yep. Jeff Browning's record Bronco Billy, yep. gone. Mm. Um, is she going for the three-peat? She is. She is. I mean, I think she's going to be the fastest person to have done those two plus the wild. I, I, I'm prepared to put money on it. You prepared, What, that she's going to do? Uh, are we talking about the three-peat as yeah. hard rock Western States in the wild? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. thinking Hard Rock Western States and that other race in France. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> I mean, she could do the quad. Do. You know, yeah, she could make quad. it the Grand Series. Yeah. We, could, we could come up with a name, but yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, there's, 15, a, there's a little matter than right. Chamonix or Tinto first, and I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, is she ended? I don't know. Who knows? The facts, man. Um, Fifteen twenty nine at Western States three weeks ago. Uh, Twenty six fourteen at Hard Rock for a fourth overall and combined time of those two 41-43 which resets the record of as you mentioned Bronco Billy Jeff Browning 42-14 from 2016 unbelievable unbelievable yeah <sighs> hats yeah. off to you and and yeah I mean big weekend all round Wu 2 k you know um, whatever uh, uh, alchemy Gareth gets up to the weather gods. We're back oh. into play. It just looked fantastic. South Coast looked beautiful. Yeah. Um, can't indeed beat Wellington on a good day. Uh, you know, people having heaps and heaps of fun. Um, you know, names from the the sort of gold, not the golden years of Dirt Church Radio, but you know, Mal Aitken was in the mix. David Hounschmidt's out there getting after it, and our mate Tim Sutton, who's who's been through a hell of a time recently, taking out the W for the the sixty two k. Just looked like a a good old time and and having you know trust us uh we've done the course i've I've done both iterations i've done the marathon and the ultra and eugene i've done the ultra you know hey check it out we also did the 21 oh yes we all did the 21 (laughs) we we did that year (laughs) we did that year when when gareth had obviously not paid his dues to the weather gods (laughs) uh and we we all paid for it Um, yeah, that was a good year. But uh, yeah, good old Wu2K. We love it. And it looked like a heap of fun. Um, yeah. This week, uh, one of a Wellington resident, well, yeah. soon, he's moving out to the heart, but yeah, Dan Jones. The return of Dan Jones. What a, what a ripper of a, of a, ch- of a chat we had. Um, fifth place at Western States under his belt. Um, you know, carrying on the, Carrying on the traditions, Fiona Hayweiss. Are we claiming Cecilia Flory? Yeah, 
Yeah, all right, claim it. Um, top 10 in 2017 and 2018. And, of course, uh, one R. Croft of Stillwater Greymouth went and won the damn thing last year. Um, this year, a bunch of Kiwis at this iconic race, including Nancy Jang, who bagged a top 25 finish and snuck in under the 24-hour mark. And, of course, our mate Dan Jones. I mean, we talked to him about his fifth-place finish in 15-22-15. Let that one sink in. Um, about the build-up with Hayden Hawks, pursuing the dream, and a uh, big announcement uh, announces what he plans to do next which I don't know about you, man, but this took me by surprise. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When he started talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah he's going to go and do that. And then it was like, he's going to go and do what? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, stick, around, stick anyway, around for stick that. Stick around. Yeah. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. Send them in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. This is from Tim Richards. My greatest run ever came in early February 2022 on a solo loop of the Kepler track. I was originally meant to be doing the Tudawet 102k on the state, but it had been cancelled three weeks prior. On cancellation, I quickly booked in a replacement to make the most of the training I'd put in. Kepler seemed like a clear choice, as I was originally meant to do the full Kepler loop the year before, but in 2021, the course was reduced to the contingency course on race day due to weather conditions. And, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> woof. In the few weeks post-booking this adventure, I split with my partner and had the death of a close friend, so the short notice break became very important. On arriving on the Kepler that morning, my head was still moving a million miles and I really struggled to stop and be in the moment. I hit the ridge line and it was as if the weight was lifted from my shoulders. Having not got that far the year before, I really felt like I was closing the book on something and in those few kilometres, I did a world of healing in many parts of my life. From this point forward, I spent the following kilometres with a smile on my face and loving every step and I even had a close encounter with a care. Truly a day to remember. Well, Tim... Um, the restorative powers of a run, especially on the Kepler track, an mm. incredibly remarkable part of Aotearoa. And um, yeah, I'm sure we've all had those moments on those runs when our heads are spinning and yeah, we're just finding ourselves, aren't we? Um, amazing. And Tim has included some pictures, which I'll, I'll try and get those loaded up to the side as well. But thank you so much for sending that in. The rest of you, Keep sending them in, ditchurchradio at gmail.com. Man, we're, we're tying everything in really neatly. Uh, Kepler, Wellington, if only we talked about Fakatane, Dan Jones. Um, he's the current Kepler champ. He's the current Auckland Marathon champ. He's the current Wellington Marathon champ. Uh, is he? Mm. He could be if he wanted to, probably. Um, he's incredible. Uh, he's the current Tarawet 102-kilometre champ. And fifth place at Western States in 15, 22, 15. Look, the thing that we love, well, we love lots of stuff about Dan, but his enthusiasm and his uh, general stoke, uh, both our faces were hurting from smiling after this conversation. So, you know, without further delay, let's get to it with the incredible Dan Jones. Ditch Radio. But I've been sleeping in to about like, well, going to bed at eight thirty, nine p.m. So if I start fading throughout this podcast, you'll you'll probably know. 
we'll keep it we'll keep it snappy and exciting um <laughs> look i mean well first off welcome back to the welcome back to the podcast welcome back to Ditchich radio and dan congratulations man how are you how are you feeling apart from tired <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm definitely getting over the tiredness and, you know, that sense of, I guess, euphoria in a, in a sense or that whole, I've knocked it off because that was my first 100 miler, right? So it's it was one of those things. I first first and foremost wanted to go over there, get all amongst the atmosphere and, and complete it. But then actually to get that top five finish in the end, like finishing strong, it was it was pretty emotional. It was a, really an amazing experience to, to, you know, get to share that with Michelle and my parents mm. and my support crew that, that were over there and my paces. It was just amazing running around that track. I'm sure we'll go into that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, we, we want to dive dive deep, but um, yeah, I guess just generally, what you know, it was something you dreamed of, and you know, you you'd thought about what was the actual, you know, what was it like in actuality versus in reality? Sorry, versus what you dreamed of. Yeah, and no, I guess I don't know how far back you guys want to want to go, but it was actually over in Kenya where where I first really got the dream of Western States. You know, I could see it through. I had a lot of time on my hands when I was in Kenya. You know, I got mm. trapped over there in COVID. I think we might have even chatted about that the, yeah. the last time I was yeah. on the show. So I had a bit of time while I was there, and I got pretty. I got into a bit of a deep dive on YouTube about Western States. You know, <laughs> I, I seen I seen the atmosphere that this event held, and that kind of that big hype around it. And I was like, okay, that's the dream. One day I want to get there, and it lived up to expectations, guys. It was just, it was amazing. Like, you know, from you know, we're waking up at 2.30 in the morning. The race starts at 5 a.m., but you line up, you, you, you're kind of lining up there with the guys that you kind of read about, um, the biggest names in trail running, guys, not just Americans, but Europeans as well, Matthew Blanchard, um, yeah, a whole lineup of people that you just have come to respect and you see on TV or YouTube or whatever. But then, yeah, the gun goes off and everyone does their own thing. It's, you know, everyone runs their own race, but running up the escarpment, the sun's rising. And then actually that sense of camaraderie at the top of that even, you know, we've already, we're only 10 kilometers, less than 10 kilometers into the race and we're all high-fiving each other because we've gotten to the top of the escarpment. We've been off the first first piece of the, the pie, I suppose. And um, <laughs> yeah, there's still a long way to go after that. But it just shows, you know, that, that I guess the trail running community are very supportive and yeah, you're certainly in a different league over there as well, which is pretty cool, yeah. pretty special. There's that photo of you that you posted where you were on the start line and you're just beaming. Like, you, you just look, you know, so happy. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't recall being that happy about um, or maybe I was just, that was just, I was portraying something that I wasn't feeling. I mean, I was happy. I was certainly happy to be there, but I was definitely in race mode. And yeah. I don't know how someone captured that kind of, just that moment. I don't know if someone said anything to me or what, but, you know, I was definitely, I feel privileged. I feel so grateful to be there. You know, it, it takes a lot to get to these start lines, not just for me, but for anyone, you know, everyone that's lined up at a trail race or a running race or something that we've had a big goal to get to, you know, we've all got these goals and, you know, if if you get there to the start of it and you're about to, to 
you know knock off something that has taken a lot of a lot of effort to get to, then I think we can all be very um, appreciative of being in that moment. How I mean, it 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 feels like at least watching it was sort of one continuous thing because you know you had the build up and it was the it was the Hayden Hawks and Dan Jones show right you had the build up to Tarawera and you know that went well uh, and then you you know you stuck around did some cross country started building 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 and then May you're over in the states. What was it like when you sort of when you touched down for the first time and and hit those you know hit those kind of really story trails like the Grand Canyon with 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 Hayden Hawks? Yeah, so I suppose leading into into that is you've you've done so much preparation, right? You've come off some such a huge high from Tarawera. Well, for, for myself, that was just an uh, I guess a performance that I I only dreamed of. You know, racing my good mate Hayden, and we were head to head for most of that race, and I was only able to pull away from him thirty or so kilometres from the end. And um, to, to put that, I guess that race together just went so well. And then coming off that, it's like whoa, coming off a massive high. It's it's one of those things. I probably a lot of people experience it where you have that that kind of come down, and it's like you've put so much effort, so much dedication into a, a, a goal that you focus on, and you have that come down. It's like oh okay, I've I've really got to respect respect the body, make sure that I recover properly here, and not just jump straight back into training, but you know um, appreciate you know what what kind of um, effort that was to to come through, and then and then start that build up from there. When you're mentally ready and you're physically ready, so I did. I did that, and I, I probably did um, try and come back too quickly. Uh, I, I jumped into the New Zealand Trail Running Championships, and my body certainly didn't really go as well as I wanted to that day. But I, I think it was that was actually probably a really good thing because I, I was like, okay, I actually probably need another week after this race to actually allow myself to recover properly and then let's let's get that build going from there. So I was doing some awesome training after that. I got in I was doing some like two hundred and forty kilometer weeks in New in New Zealand and with a lot of vert involved as well because I knew what the preparation that I had to, you know, put in to get to Western States in the best shape that I possibly could. And I mean I don't know what you want to call it, like sacrifice or, you know, there's always opportunity costs and sometimes that that means, yeah, you're, it becomes a bit like an obsession and you're just like, okay, I've got to maybe take a step back from that, from that hard out training because I need to recover as well. I need to, yeah, I guess make sure that I do achieve a little bit of balance in my life and I'm, we've all been through it, you know, we put so much effort into something, we're like, oh shit, yeah, okay, we're actually got to make sure that we're um, living a well-rounded life as well but sometimes that's what it takes and if you're doing it for eight weeks at a time, ten weeks at a time, then that's fine and then you look at it backwards afterwards and think, okay, I've, I've put all this focus at one time and then, then you take that time afterwards to really deload and um, de-stress and really be grateful for all those that put up with you <laughs> when you're <laughs> so focused on one thing. Um, but no, getting over to the States after that really good build in New Zealand, I um, I did. I met up with Hayden in Boulder and we did about three weeks of really solid training there. I, I got used to the altitude. Again, that's um, a little bit different from running the trails in Wellington. So... 
it wasn't particularly hot actually over in Boulder. And with the Western States, the heat plays a major factor in that race on whether you can be successful or not. And so because it wasn't super hot in Boulder, we realised that we needed the heat acclimation work. So that's why we decided to drive 10 hours from Boulder to the Grand Canyon and spent a week there. I was sleeping in a tent for about uh, six to seven days and we were just cooking on the on you know the grill they call it barbecue whatever little camp stove and um yeah each day was kind of dedicated to running down from the from the rim down to the colorado river and back up we didn't do it every single day but we put probably a lot of stress on the body and um Unfortunately, Hayden picked up a little bit of an injury. I picked up a little bit of a hamstring niggle. Actually, I'm only on about the second or third day. What, what we've got to realise is the Grand Canyon is as big as what people say it is. <laughs> it's like huge. There's, it's like a 10-mile descent down to the Colorado River, and then obviously you've got to get back up, and you're dealing with the heat, the altitude. You're stored at about 2,000 metres there, so you're dealing with both those things. And so... Maybe that was a little bit too much, and I pushed one of the downhills a little bit too hard, picked up a little bit of tendonitis, and I I kind of feathered it for the next week or so. And it did come right. It did come right before the race for myself, but unfortunately I was yeah, so gutted for him, but Hayden's um, knee packed up a little bit, mm-hmm. and he started the race but wasn't able to finish it. Um, and it's just one of those things. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Sometimes we look back at and say... Um, yeah, hopefully we've done all we can, but maybe we pushed a little bit too hard in certain aspects. And yeah, you only find out these things when when, when your body breaks. But you know, that's part of part of um, that drive and trying to be the best that we can be. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at that level, you guys are on the line. I imagine quite a lot of the time. You know, it's a it's a it's a fine line. Yeah, and that's exactly right. Like, I want to. I think it's one of those things that we all have these things in life where you know you put so much effort into something you're right on that brink between what is going to make us super successful or what could break us sometimes and it's particularly the case I guess in professional sports where you know you got to think oh (laughs) everyone else is doing as much as they can and whatever their bodies can handle and if I can do maybe more than them or not just more than them but just put in all those one extra like one percenters as well getting all the best recovery that you can get, do with nutrition sleep everything like that then hopefully that will allow us along with like our our mental fortitude to, to actually get us out and get us to that finish line first um, and sometimes yeah, what comes with that is injuries and hopefully they're not majors and hopefully, you know, you, you can recover quickly from them and yeah, get to the start line healthy. How do you, you know, when at that time when the hamstring did start to play up, how do you cope with like not catastrophizing it? Like sort of, you know, trying to just keep it in context? Oh, it's such, that's such a great question because I know like everybody has had these little things pop up and when you've been you know striving for something so for so long what well, it feels like so long it's become like your whole life for a little while here then it, it can mentally it just plays on your mind every second of the day and like you do things that you normally maybe wouldn't like 
prodding every 10 seconds like, oh, this has got to be helping. Uh, uh, uh. Or um, doing certain exercises, which may be helping, but you've also got to let it rest sometimes. And sometimes that rest will be the best thing for it. And that, I guess that's the beauty of a taper, right, is uh, you, you do your, you're backing off your mileage. So for me, it came at a decent time, three weeks out, where I was backing off my mileage anyway. And the way that I was, you know, instead of, as you say, like, catastrophizing um, it is like, it's not, I don't, this isn't going to wreck me. Like, having an easier day here is not going to ruin my race. It's actually probably going to freshen me up so I can actually get away with it. If it came five weeks out from the event, then that's a time where if you had too many off days or too many days where you weren't doing the mileage, then yeah, maybe your fitness is going to, you know, reduce and you weren't, you wouldn't be at peak performance by race day. But three weeks out is bearable. So that's one way I can kind of like put it aside and be like, okay, it's not going to, it's not the end of the world. Mm. Yeah. So that's, I think that's a good, a good thing to keep in mind for others as well. Like a few days he- here and there to actually recover from these smaller injuries and not, is not going to ruin you. So do that rather than try, than making things worse. And mm. I try to, I push through for a few days, but no, with like small injuries like that comes experience and you kind of start to learn what will get worse and what will um, hopefully just go away mm. and it went away. Mm. So sweet. Mm. So in the end, you kind of almost end up turning it into a positive of like, okay, I can back off here and it's going to be okay and help me in terms of recovery and the taper phase. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you banded the word, you know, the escarpment and, and, and Western, you know, Western States is so iconic. I was, I was running with my daughter last night and we were talking about, we were, she was trying to turn it into a general knowledge question, uh, a question and answer sh- session for some god unknown reason, and I asked her, you know, well, who was the first person ever to run Western States, you know, and she didn't know. She talked about Gordy Ainsley and stuff like that. It's such an iconic, it's such an iconic race. What is it like? I mean, that those first ten kilometres at Olympic Valley. I mean, what were the conditions like? I, there was a lot of snow, hey. Yeah, and I guess I haven't really talked through the race much, but leading up to this race, there was a lot of chat around how much snow there was going to be on the course, and thankfully, a lot of the snow did start to melt in the last two weeks before the race, so I think conditions were um, average to high snowfall, let's say, or snow on the ground, Um, and so that did make the high country quite quite challenging it just meant like it slowed things down a little bit for the first part but one thing about the race this year was that it didn't get as hot as what it um, has been in the past so that actually helped speed it up later on so as long as you you know you stayed on top of everything you could actually finish a lot stronger Um, going up the escarpment is amazing you hit the snow like fairly early on it's like it was like halfway up the escarpment you're straight into snow so what people probably don't even realise is you're running the first bit but then you are power hiking you are like once you get to that snow and the steeper parts because people do want to save the legs for some of the you know later stages of the race and so that was quite surprising even to me I was like oh okay it's that's quite nice it doesn't feel like 
a complete lung buster, you know how you'd think it was starting out like maybe Kepler, you're boosting along that track and then you're straight up that grunty hill all the way Luxmore and you're just on the gas the whole time but this is more like a little bit more relaxed and you're like chatting with people and it's it's really cool atmosphere because people, some of the spectators go up at about 4am in the morning and they they congregate at the top and it's just super cool, you're getting high fives, there's people with cameras and um, yeah, they, they capture in the moment as well. Uh, some of the pictures that came out after the race, just stunning. You know, the sun's rising mm. in the background over that whole valley and you're in the snow, but down below it's just greenery. It's awesome. It's just so beautiful up there. And then, so yeah, that's just the start of the high country. And I, I was in the first group. Um, there were there was one Chinese guy he, he had taken off a little bit, but I was in that front pa- uh, front pack, and you're almost leading it at one stage while you're leading it. You know, we we're all taking turns, and um, unfortunately, like there were there were some bits where the the water had was like eaten away underneath the underneath the snow, and my my foot fell through the snow um, in, in this little creek bed, and uh, I fell over, fell forward, and my knee fell through as well, and hit into a rock, and. Actually, at that point, I was like, not making excuses, but I was actually like in a lot of pain. I was like, oh no, this this is not the end of my race. <laughs> Just here, surely, my parents had come over, support crew me. Michelle was, my partner was there, support crew me. They were waiting for me, you know, at the fifty kilometer aid station. Um, that's that was the first crewed aid station, and. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what have I done? Just swearing at myself like, you idiot. Why didn't you watch that? You know, I was watching, but some things you you just can't really control. And so that kind of played on, like, it was just hard to, to, you know, run my normal rhythm. Um, I couldn't really, like, bend my knee as much as I wanted to. So I was actually, like, grabbing handfuls of snow and on the uphills where we're walking anyway, just trying to rub it on my knee to, to keep the inflation down. Inflammation down, I should say inflation. Jeez, been watching too much news. It's, um, it's congruent. Yeah, keep that down as well. <laughs> yeah, um, and so yeah, further along, I was thankful. Like that pain did subside at about the sixty or seventy kilometer mark. But if I'd been running through the whole hundred miles with that kind of pain, it would have been a super tough day and even for the first 40 50 k I was like no no this is gonna be a hard hard day but it was just mainly painful on the downhills because there are some really long descents and it was fine on their like kind of climbs where we were power walking or or running so it did come right it did come right and then you know the the, the rest of the pain takes hold right so the, the fatigue and the, the sore quad or the sore other niggle that's going on or that comes on during these long races comes aboard and yeah you forget about one thing and yeah the, the next thing comes up so <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it is um but no it's it's just one of those races where you've just really got to put, keep going put put one foot in front of the other and you know think about not just you know race in the moment so like always be looking um, forward to that next aid station and just just take care of business really like you've just got to keep Keep in you know keep control of your nutrition. Make sure you're eating. Make sure you're cooling when you can going through aid station. Because even though I said it wasn't a hot year, it still got up to you know thirty degrees plus in the canyons, which is you try running like that for ten kilometers, let alone a hundred kilometers or a hundred miles. It's it was tough. It was mm. just just thinking back on it, it's just so tough. Mm. 
Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You sort of um, people say, "Oh, yeah, what was it fourth co- fourth coolest year or something like that?" And you said, "Oh, well, but it's, yeah, like you say, the temperatures are still high. It's you're not running at the top of Mount Luxmore anymore. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 hot." Yeah, but how you mentioned the camaraderie and stuff, and you know, Hayden, as as we said, didn't didn't have a great day, and it didn't work out well for him. Were you conscious of of what was going on with him? Does that play on your mind at all, or or are you just kind of like focused on what you've got to do? Um, I think being a competitive athlete, I, I'm pretty um, aware of around about what position I was in the race, and I knew there there was maybe a group of five to ten in front of me, and I didn't think Hayden was you know in that group, so I thought, oh, hopefully he's going to right. Like anything can happen in that high country in the snow, so I just didn't know how his knee was dealing with with the snow. Um, and then he actually caught up to me just after the first aid station at Robinson Flat, and I thought, oh, we're good to go here. He kind of caught up to me, and we kind of gave each other a boost, like. There's you no know, early stages. Early stages. We've got a long way to go. We can really pull this back. And he he said that to me as well. And it do, it does. We're great mates. We're great training partners. So having him right there, like, kind of g'd me up. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. We've got a long way to go here. And yeah, we're just gonna just you know keep um keep plugging away and doing what we can. And then um unfortunately, I I think he must have stopped in an aid station to. Or maybe refuel or something, and his knee just started seizing up worse. On that, there was a long descent after Robinson Flat, and from there I didn't see him again. But he got, he did get all the way through to, um, oh, the next aid state, next aid station. Uh, where was that? Just before Forest Hill. Um, anyhow, yeah, yeah, so he got quite deep. Yeah, yeah, about the hundred kilometer mark. But from there, I think it was just he was in too much pain, and so he he decided to, um, yeah, pull pull it out, pull the pin there. Mm. So you've you've um, sort of worked through the issue with your knee. You're, you know you're beyond sixty k. Um, you're conscious that you're, you're still doing okay. What were you were you happy with how your day was going aside aside from the knee? And were you thinking there's going to come a time when I can push? Yeah. So I guess after that fifty kilometer aid station. So from fifty kilometers, <laughs> there's it's still another fifty kilometers to the next supported aid station. And there were stations in between where we had drop bags, or we just had the um, just your standard table with all the goodies. Um, and I did. Yeah, I caught another athlete. Oh, I think I caught two athletes, and so I knew I was in about seventh position, and. I was starting to feel a lot better when the knee started coming right. You know, the thoughts turned positive, and so I thought, you know, I'm all right here. Of course, you you just still have your ups and downs, and the biggest thing there is just continuing to eat. And as I was going through um, aid stations, then it was definitely starting to heat up. And the hottest, as I was saying, the hottest places are Devil's Thumb. Um, El Dorado Canyon, so like quite daunting names as well. So yeah, (laughs) when we're going through them, you're like, okay, that's right. I am in the hardest, hottest places of this course right now. Let's definitely stay on top of things, and that's actually what's going to allow you to, you know, have a strong finish to the race, as as I kind of talked about earlier. So yeah, I was actually running with Jeff Colt, who's um, he's an on athlete uh, on running shoes. Um, They he was. 
yeah, looking strong as well. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and work with this guy. And yeah, we went through the first one. I think it was Devil's Sun Canyon. It's a massive descent and real steep um, ascent up into, yeah, into another aid station. And then we, oh, that might have been El Dorado. I can't remember the order of things anymore. Jeez, just, just brain scramble, to be honest. And then, um, yeah, we did, went into the second one. I had a bit of a bad patch, to be honest. Um, and, you know, had a bit of bit of stomach upset. He pulled away from me, and I was just like, come on, let's just get it together. Just it, When that happens, you just got to reflect on what the last kind of 10, 15 kilometres that looked like. Am I getting enough in? And I thought I was. So I was just like, okay, let's just stay on top of the hydration. We're going to have bad patches in this race, and if I can get through that. And when I say bad patches, it's like I'm still moving, but I'm just on some of the outpulls, the legs are feeling a bit deflated it's like oh come on I should be running these these um these kind of gradients and it just wasn't happening for me so I just you know I thought okay let's just stick it out here and we got up to Michigan Bluff and that was the that that's an aid station that kind of signifies you're out of the really big descents and climbs and you guys know I'm like probably more suited to the rolling and from my kind of marathon background and like yeah even Tarawera I suppose is is a bit more like friendly in terms of the um the terrain yeah just gentle gradients yeah. well from Michigan Bluff onwards you've got just yeah some nicer flatter sections there's still some pinchy climbs but there's nothing like what I'd been through just been through really and um so I I had that to look forward to and that can, that was just a nice mindset change for me it was okay I'm I'm into into my strengths here let's go let's try and pick some of these guys up and that's yeah I guess that's what I did the aid stations just touching on on those I mean you're obviously focused you're wanting to get the job done they seem like they're on another level from many other races what is the vibe of of these aid stations at Western State yeah I think the reason for that is because they are just so important. <laughs> the whole vibe is, I don't know, from an athlete's perspective, is just get in, get as much ice and cold water and whatever thrown on you as, as possible. And then, you know, you, you are, you're swapping out nutrition. People from my parents are just shoving potatoes into my mouth. Michelle's like, give me a banana, like shoving that into my mouth. I'm like, I'm appreciative of it because I've got my hands full with like handhelds and yeah, I don't really have a lot of um, cognitive function going on at that point. It's more just like, I'm just trying to take in what I can and try and get in, get out as fast as possible, but making sure I um, take care of the basics. From a um, from a support crew perspective, they've actually got to drive like, how long was it? Like, I think three, two and a half, three hours from the start line to the first aid station, just wow. because it's a bit of a roundabout way to get there. So you know they've got it full on as well. And again, it comes back to a massive gratitude for them coming over from New Zealand and actually going through that themselves. And my mum straight away said, "I'm never doing that again." But <laughs> I think she's kind of come around. She's one and done. So well, you, <laughs> I mean, you've got you, presumably you're going back next year, right? Like you've got a ticket. So exactly, exactly. So I think maybe um, 
she after the initial shock of just so much driving around and the pressure of aid station she's she's come around to the idea a little bit more i think um but they did bloody well to be honest um and yeah there's a lot involved so i guess everyone's got their own st- station within these aid stations you've You've laid out all the food or as much like you've got ice mandanas going on and as soon as your athlete comes in it's it's all guns blazing about yeah trying to just do all these different things and so for for me like as you approach the aid station and this should be um should be the case for any runner in, a, in an ultra marathon anyways you guys would have experienced it you're coming out to an aid station you're like oh i've got to do this this and this when i get to this aid station right and you exit the A station, you realise, oh shit, I've forgotten to do this, this, and this as well. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Um, as long as I think you've got that really good on-taught support crew, then they can take care of those things for you. So, oh nah, super appreciative of what they have to go through. And um, yeah, again, you've just got at Forest Hill for me. That was that's the that's the aid station which gets I think the most attention. There's probably a really good. Um, Film crews there just taking, yeah, taking a lot of content for, for the race and for different athletes. And then you've got the whole town that comes out support because it is, it's the first kind of community that you come across. And it's, yeah, it is really special to have that support as well. So it's cool. What is that? What is that like being sort of almost at the, uh, like a star in a movie or something? You know, because you've got so many, so much activity around you. It's, yeah, you're, once again, you know, you're not at, Bloody rainbow reach anymore, are you? You know, it's it's a it's a it's a full on thing by the looks of it. Yeah, and to be honest, like when you're in the moment of the race, you don't even really see too much of that outside view. It's more like whoever's in, right in your face, and they're like, they're trying to get your attention. Okay, do this. Okay, you've got your um your pacer here because your pacer joins you at Forest Hill, which is amazing. And so, in within the aid station, you've actually got quite a you've actually got a quite a long way that that age station goes for. It goes for like a kilometre. So the whole time you're, you're moving forward, you've got people all around you, but you're only really noticing those that are right in your bubble. And so you're just trying to take notice of what they say. And then once you've got everything organised, and then you can kind of appreciate the crowds and you're like, yeah, 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 cheers, guys. I'm doing great, which you're feeling bloody horrible on the inside. <laughs> so on that, I mean... Who were your paces? So I had a guy called Drew. Um, he paced me from Forest Hill Bruder to Rocky Chucky. And then I had Mayel, a good mate, Mayel from Australia. You guys probably know him, mate. No, um, very well. Yeah, so I didn't know Drew beforehand either, but <laughs> it was awesome. The um, the Haldsberg, um Running Company, they're a store over in... in um, Northern California, who who run that Lake Sonoma race that I did last year, they actually reached out and said, "Hey Dan, do you need any help uh, with Western States?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just going over, and I actually don't have any crew or anything organised. I had my support crew, I had my three support crew uh, coming over, but yeah, we're very inexperienced in terms of this race, so we didn't really know." what was involved as much and so they like supplied the ice bags and everything they were so generous with their um their their things and their time and yeah drew came over from 
I think he lived a couple of hours away and he paced me for that 30k. I'd never met him before um, meeting him at Forest Hill. And you, that's an interesting call, right? Because you have to build up um, a little bit of a relationship right there and then. He has to work out, okay, does Dan want to talk right now or is he feeling like shit? And how can I motivate him to, to get to, you know, Rocky Chucky that next point? Uh, as as best possible, and he did he did so well. I'm like so grateful that he was there, to, and um, yeah, I met him, and I haven't seen him since actually since. <laughs> oh no no, he, he, sorry, that, that's a lie. He we we all ran in together um, around yeah. the track, but yeah, yeah that big so pressure crazy. on him too. Like oh, I guess so. But he's he's a great runner. Um, he he's done like the milers himself, so. We had been in email contact beforehand. He knew, he knew what he had to do, and he even asked me like, "I can talk as much as you want," or and I'm pretty laid back in that sense. Like I'm like, "Yeah, bro, I'll, like, I'll try and chat with you if I don't really reply." It's probably because I'm having a hard patch, and you know, there there are those times, especially in that last sixty kilometers of that race. I think it was apparently we're approaching Rocky Chucky, and that's where. It, you, if anyone was following the race, it's it's where you actually cross the river in those rafts. And apparently, I was asking him every five minutes, "Yeah, bro, how far away is Rocky Chucky? Do you know how far away this is?" <laughs> because the whole um, thing about getting there is you get to dip in the river, and by this stage, it's the heat of the day. So I was just so looking forward to getting wet. Like I said to him okay, bro, this is the plan of attack. I'm going to be in that water for 30 seconds. Can you time me? Because I don't want to, like, just be in there for, like, five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Splashing around. Yeah, splashing around, like, forgetting any sense of time. I'm still racing here. I can't just... Pull out your water wings, have a go, have a float around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, to be honest, I probably almost needed it the way I was when I was um, jumping in that river. Fairly delirious. Um, But, no, that's where I actually picked up Mayal, so that was awesome. Um, We'd been tra- doing some training together up in Olympic Valley the week before, and he said, "Hey, bro, like, yeah, I'm pro- gonna, probably going to be available for the race, and if you if you need a pacer or need any help, then that'd be great." And so I was like, "Yeah, I leapt at that because it's, you know, it was awesome having Drew there, but it's also great having a mate who who knows you and knows how to really um, you know, push you along as well." And that last thirty k, I needed it. We were, I'd come through with Drew. We'd done really, well, really well up into Rocky Chucky, and it seemed like we were closing down on some, some front runners. So, yeah, that was, um, that was much needed. And did it? Do you think did it make a difference having that sort of? I mean, a you know him, but also that you know it's uh, New Zealand, Australian, everything is a lot closer than New Zealand to American. You know, the cultural thing, did that help as well? Just kind of having that, you know, you got so much sort of shared stuff. Yeah, I think more so just because you're kind of, you know, that, that big dream is kind of just about becoming a reality. And so having someone that, that you know, it kind of, it's kind of inspires you to, okay, come on, like, let's just give anything now, like, there's no point holding back. We just got to like, yeah, pretty much just make sure we go a hundred percent right to the end. And that's funny saying that because there's still 30 kilometers to go mm. um, and you don't want to blow up and you, you still need to keep, keep control of your nutrition. Like I had him saying, okay, Dan, that's half an hour. I've got to eat here. And it, 
the whole time it was like keep drink drinking, keep eating. We needed like keep finishing strong, and I think that saved me. Like I was, I was, I mowed down six uh, seventh. No, what did I? Seventh and sixth place to to be in fifth position, and so yeah, that was that was really motivating. Like okay, at, at, at different aid stations, the non aided, uh, non crewed ones. We were getting, coming through, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, that guy guy's only three minutes ahead now." It's like, "Come on, let's go! We got the, we got him, we got him, we got him!" And so, yeah, we're just doing that, and we caught up to two people in that um, thirty kilometer space. And then, even in the last like ten k, we we're catching the Chinese guy in fourth. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was just one of those things. I was given everything. And you know, I still think back and wonder, could I've pushed harder it's just one of those mindsets like I, I'm sure I was pushing as hard as I could I was in so much pain like afterwards my knees my sore knee was swollen I had a big bruise on the inside of my left quad I'm not sure if it was just muscle tearing just you know it's just random stuff from pushing so hard but I was saying to to measure oh, okay no I've got like he was saying we've got this guy we've got this guy and I'm like yeah I'm going as hard as I can let's go but in the end there's a point called Roby Point. It's one mile to go, and there's a big climb up to there, and we're coming up, coming up. I was tr- digging it in, and um, I could see the guy. Like there's some big switchbacks about two k or k from the top, and I could see him up ahead. And I was like, okay, the gap's only like one minute. Like anything can happen. If he cramps up now, it's we're good to go. Like I will be. I am going my hardest, but I'll be sprinting that last mile from Roby Point. But it just turned out, you know, I I pushed as hard as I could, and um, I got up to the top of Roby Point, and he he had gone. It's yeah. you know a mile downhill, so there's no no way you're going to catch it. And from there, the you're allowed to run in with anyone, like anyone can follow you in. And Michelle was there, Drew was there, Mayal continued on with me. Other people were running along beside us, and so from that point, I was really just trying to take in the atmosphere and. Really, just be appreciative of um, yeah, getting to that point. <laughs> it's it kind of just brings me back right now, just thinking about it. It's fairly emotional actually because mm-hmm. you push so hard, and everyone did. Everyone on that start line that got through those hundred miles and got to that point can, I guess, um, understand that feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, once you hit that track, it's called the Placer High School Track, and. You've got 400 meters or 300 ish meters that you run around the track, and that atmosphere, the crowd that are there to to greet you, is so phenomenal. It's like, it's like Kepler. I'm just saying Kepler because this is where we we all kind of first met, and um, mm. it is. It's like coming across the, the um the water, the um, the bridge at yep. the, the end, coming to the finish line. But yeah, just so many more people. Um, that that have just come out, and and saying that, the the celebrations go on all night. That's what makes it so special. Is um, people just stay and stay and stay, and even the next day. So people are racing Western States throughout the night. The cutoff is thirty hours, right? I finished in fifteen hours and twenty two minutes, and the cut cutoff is thirty hours. And so I went back to the hotel. Well, we did. A, I can go into it a bit, but we we did drug tests, and then I went back to the hotel. 
and then it came, went to tried to get some sleep, not much, but more than people still running, and then um, came back the next day for prize giving. Got there before twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock was the cut off, and we saw someone come in. And, you know, twenty nine hours, fifty nine minutes, and that is just unbelievable. Like the 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 crowd noise, the the cheering, the atmosphere it was just superb. It was next level, and um, that's great for that person. And then it was actually like Lucy's. Lucy Bartholomew's mm. dad came in next, and he just missed the cut off. And I don't think there was a single dry eye in that uh, in that stadium or around that track. Right? It was it was pretty heart wrenching. But yeah. in saying that, he he made the hundred miles just just barely missed the cut off. And um, yeah, just your heart goes out. But it's just one of those things. That's that's the nature of the event. Yeah, it's all part of the story, isn't it? You know, it is, I mean, it's it is. it's gutting for him, but but he, you know, he's always going to remember that. It's it's a moment in a way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That uh, you didn't have any dinosaurs. Isn't like coming on the to track? the finish. <laughs> um, no, no. <laughs> what I did have, I mean, apart from you know the crew running with me, like. Hayden was there, and um, it was oh, that wow. was awesome. Like, just so nice that you know he, he didn't have the greatest day himself, but he gave me a big hug as I was coming around the track, and you know a few like quiet words to each other, and you know we, we both yeah. knew that we'll be back back training together and back racing together soon. Um, no, I didn't have any dinosaurs coming with me, but I mean Bruce's performance that deserves. Dinosaurs plus, right? So um, I'm stoked with mine, but there's still work to be to do. Yeah. Mm. Had you did you catch up with Ruth beforehand, or you know, get any advice from her? Uh, she she definitely wished me wished me the best, and I I had reached out um, previously, or you know, months and months beforehand. Yeah. Probably just getting getting the basics and and things and getting getting yeah. advice there, but um, no, she, she's she's awesome and just truly opened up the world of um ultra ultra running for new zealanders and yeah yeah it was really inspirational actually watching her last year and it made me want to try and get there myself all the more yeah i mean it's you know in a way she's sort of uh, yeah smashed through a barrier in a way um and you know someone in your position must just instill you with even more kind of confidence and you know knowledge that yeah Kiwis can fly. We can do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you always have really well when you put in the kind of training that we we put in. We all have to have that confidence that we can achieve the the best pos- possible result anyway. But to actually see Roof do it on you know at Western States, but also it's not just Western States. Yeah. She's been you know trailblazing mm. uh, for for many years now and. Seeing how she has gone from, I guess you know, working part time to just pretty much being a you know professional professional runner. It's not just just turning up and winning these events. She's a complete professional in in all regards of the sport. So that's that's really cool to see, and it, it just shows you know if you put enough dedication, and enough effort, and everything else that goes with it, then you know we can achieve these things. Mm. It's a, it's an it's incredible, isn't it? And Oh, just two things. First thing, you know, coming around place a place track. 
you're celebrating it in the moment. Are there any cheeky looks over your shoulder or do you know you got it in the bag? Are you like, who's is, is Courtney coming? What's happening? <laughs> or did you, did you know that for that 400 metres you were good as gold? Um, there were definitely like, I guess, looks over my shoulder probably prior to that. <laughs> and I don't know if it was actually Courtney or anyone, anyone else at that stage. But <laughs> it's quite funny you say that because – I'm not being sexist or anything, but my old, my old man was like, oh, you better not get, like, I think he told Mayel or something, like, you better tell Dan to get his ass into gear because he's about to get checked if he doesn't pull, you know, pull finger. <laughs> um, and, and, speak, I mean, speaking of that and not taking anything away from Ruth, my God, what a performance from Courtney, right? Like, just, I mean, smashed it. Destroyed the record that stood since... What was it, Eugene, 1994, I want to say? It something, it's something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry to... Amazing yeah. performance. Absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. as you say, just crazy. And you're like, that's phenomenal. I just, it's one of those things you think, because she, she's obviously raced Western States before and, and won it. And then, I don't know. Were the conditions that good? Holy... It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it makes me kind of, um, yeah, like looking ahead and maybe into next year. What happens if the temperatures are super hot again? It's going to be maybe twice as hard. That's kind yeah. of daunting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but no, she did so. And even, um, Katie Scheid, who got second, she broke, mm. I think she broke the, re- the yeah, um, she was previous record. record. Well. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, superb performances and just shows yeah the um, the quality of trail races, trail runners coming through, are just getting better and better, which is exciting yeah. because it's just going to continue to grow the sport. Yeah, yeah. You mean you mentioned your your dad, you know, and of course you grew up watching him. You know, he, he won coast to coast and you know famously the first North Highlander, et cetera. And so he's sort of been there, done that um, on those big races. He's been there and seen you win big races before but this was another level so what was you know what was their reaction what were your parents reaction um and michelle's that matter when when you've you've finally done it and you've and you've done such an amazing performance as well yeah and i think they were probably even more emotional after this race than that even the entire weather just because oh they know how much it kind of meant to me i i think mm. you know i've been chasing this as i said i've been chasing this race to first get here for for at least two yeah two years, and to to actually put in a performance I could be proud of. Well, just getting through a hundred miles is super cool anyway. But yeah, to actually finish right up there was um and and they I think they saw the effort that I put in like not just yeah my training as well, but on that race day, I left everything out there and yeah they were they were fairly emotional they were right there on the um on the finish line and hugged my mum and we're not the most hugging kind of family really but hug like yeah i mean with my dad i should say hug my mum quite a bit once in a while but my dad as well just like yeah no big hugs all around and we're just super pumped um and of course michelle she i think she was the first one yeah she was the first one i hugged like right there and just there to there to greet me and kind of hold me up as well because i was fairly staggering at that point and people were saying i was looking i looked fresh 
fresh-ish crossing the finish line but I was yeah I was feeling like maybe I was on my last legs it's really hard to know isn't it you feel like you can let go once you cross that finish line anyway and to have their, them there um, was really special mm, mm. that's so good it's so good and sorry just to fact check myself it was 2012 it was Ellie Greenwood's record and, and Courtney mm. DeWalter broke it by 80 minutes not 1994, I was way off there, but way off. <laughs> oh, we'll let it slide. I mean, either yeah, way, thank it's you. a phenomenal thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. you mentioned, you know, that pursuit um, of this dream and, you know, you went off to the States last year and hoped to grab a, a golden ticket and, it, you know, it, it didn't work out. But looking back, do you think that was, you know, an important part of, what it took to get here and did it just you know in a way make it more special i i completely think that to be honest like i've thought about it myself as well um even even i think back to traveling to kenya and getting trapped over there um, during covid times well the whole reason i was going there was to to actually improve my performance in the marathon and try and represent new zealand that was my big goal was to represent new zealand at a world champs or ideally a commonwealth games or olympics and covid yeah really put a bit of a, a handbrake on that goal and it was one of those things coming out of you know covid times we were allowed to travel again it was somewhat hard, like difficult for me like I guess to swap over from the marathon running back to the trail running because I feel like I've flip-flopped a lot in my endurance career between road trail and multi-sport and to think like it kind of in a way felt like I was quitting I guess my marathon dream of representing New Zealand to really dedicate myself to the trail running and that's why I think I was you know I was I kept on doing not just kept on doing, I was performing in a right in New Zealand level um, at Auckland Marathon and things like that. But yeah, I've come to not think of about it as quitting, but it's more like a opportunity cost, right? We've only got a certain amount of time doing these careers or whatever we want to do. It's, I'm not just talking about running, but anything that you've kind of dreamed of doing. And yeah, for me, it felt like it was about the right time to maybe put aside that dream of representing New Zealand at the marathon and really seeing what level I could achieve at trail running. And now I feel like I've really made that step. It was actually a bit of a hard, hard choice. Just recently we found out the China races were back on for multi-sport and I, I got offered to go and being a very, very good team. But for me now it's all eggs in the basket of trail running to, to just really see where this can take me. Mm. Um, so yeah just going back to that question I guess like when I missed out on my Western States ticket because of that bit of a blow up at Canyons last year I went on from that race and raced Lake Sonoma right I, I had a good race there and I won that one that's where I met the Halsberg running mm-hmm. running company and it just so happened that they helped me out with, at Western States this year so if I hadn't, if I hadn't had that stuff out at Canyons, I wouldn't have met them. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done Tarawera because I would. Oh, would I? 
I don't know because I didn't get to uh, Western States. I might have already had an automatic entry, but who knows, right? It's just th- opportunities open up when something doesn't mm. go your way as long as you keep putting yeah. in the effort. And so it's just crazy. It's just crazy to think about that. And it, it just, it's not, yeah, as I, I keep alluding to it because not everyone can, not everyone here that's listening is probably a runner, but it's just one of those things. Opportunities come up all the time when doors close. So, yeah, just keep pumping, pumping, um, you know, pumping out the effort, and then hopefully things will work out. Yeah, that's right. It's it's like it's not necessarily a door close. It is. It's just that one's maybe not the right one for now, mm. but this one, this one is, and this mm. one will lead you to there. And you, you don't know. You know, it's it's um, you know, it all worked out pretty good in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now I've got, a, as you said, like a ticket to the Western States next year and there's plenty of races between now and then. And and not to be too sort of, you know, uh, mercenary about it, but it's a huge, it's a huge result. And you've had, again, you've had massive results and, and you, you're running through road and multi-sport and trails, you, your career in that sphere and, you know, <laughs> doing cross-country as well has been amazing. Has there been more interest? Because you, you weren't in the preview, you know, like it, it, was it – how was it coming in? And not a dark horse, but there certainly – you know, there certainly perhaps wasn't the attention on you that there wasn't some other runners. Did you find that to be to your advantage? I wouldn't say it was to my advantage, but being a dark horse it doesn't really bother me too much. I mean, that that probably is quite a cool thing because I can go about my day leading up to the race without having about, you know, some people were probably having five interviews a day or whatever it was. Um, so I could, yeah, just go about my, do my, do my own thing um, for the most part. In some ways that's a good thing. In some ways it's a bad thing. You know, at the moment I am trying to get exposure for, for my brands, for my sponsors, and I want to build upon that kind of result that I did achieve at Western States, and to to really drive that through some results in the future to hopefully become a full-on professional, just like how Ruth has done. But yeah. um, no, leading up to the race, it was it was all good. Like I can't can't pl- complain. I had a few picks actually. Like some people had me in the top five. I think had me uh, finishing in the top five. You, you did. I did. <laughs> Yep, yep, appreciate yep, that. Yep, damn right. Yep. He came through well, for me. Paul, you owe me 50 bucks, Bingham. I'll be around later. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> Don't try and throw me under the bus. Oh, come on, um, you <laughs> <laughs> Paul Charteros, actually, was the first one I heard. Yep. He's, he's picked you as uh, yep. the first Kiwi male to yep. win Western States. Yep. Yep. No that pressure. was at That was at the start line of the 100, ca- uh, the 100 mile. Yeah. That's one of the first things he said. It was real dark right. and he was like, He's, he's he's got the wheels. He's got the wheels. He was he was all in. Yeah, we all oh, were that's all in. Very man. cool. Because I think yeah. I, I think Paul, I think I chatted about this race with Paul when I was probably sixteen or so, to be honest. And yeah. he said you'd go really well at this um, this Western States. And I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. Uh, and I had no <laughs> idea what he was talking about, what the Western States was. <laughs> but no, it sounded like um, even. This the support from back home was overwhelming. To be honest, like after finishing the race, I had so many messages of support, and it just sounds like so many people were tuning in oh, <laughs> to yeah. the uh, to the live um, live coverage and like writing comments and like yeah, go Danny Jones from New Zealand and like <laughs> DJ for 
prime minister i know that was one of my mate's <laughs> comments and uh yeah it was it was just yeah as i said overwhelming like i just want to thank anyone that's listening that you know tuned in and shared the love that was bloody awesome thank you yeah 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 oh man no, i mean it's the whole country was yeah like i think as you've said matt the refresh buttons were just absolutely yeah. ruined <laughs> you know you ruined a lot of thumbs that day just <laughs> yeah yeah smashing refresh and and watching the live feed and stuff yeah absolutely yeah that's amazing man and and not to like have you been enjoying your recovery it sounds like you or it looks like you got the chance to you know you got to go to vegas and and mexico and just have a good old good old time are you are you are you are you, are you reaping the reaping the benefits of, of, of having some decent time off? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's always hard to know. I um, we, we shot off to Vegas and Michelle dragged me around. I think my, my step count for that two days after the race was about 30,000 steps. So really, na- really nailed that recovery there. But <laughs> to be fair, after you know the excitement of Vegas, we, we shot off to uh, Mexico, Los Cabos, and... Yeah, that was when we could really relax, spend a bit of time next to the pool, drinking margaritas and just living the life. Um, so that was really sweet. And then, yeah, a little bit of warmer temperatures before we came back here to New Zealand. And, you know, we really got the, um, yeah, tr- trying to acclimate back to the colder weather, but also getting some uh, wheels into motion for the for the next plan, which is very exciting. Care to share what that next plan is? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, so, yes. Um, so I'm sponsored by Essex New Zealand and we have been in touch with the Essex Europe team. Um, and, well, it was a bit of a, an idea anyway before Western States was like, if I recovered well, maybe I would go across and race CCC UTMB the 100k because I got that um, qualification by winning Tarawera mm-hmm. and well the 100k CCC would be cool and I'd be keen for that but after talking to a few people <laughs> and <laughs> a, I guess a little bit of a twist of the elbow by Essex Europe because I think they think UTMB the 100 miler would be even cooler oh. than CCC I might, yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump into UTMB. There you go. Are you? Damn. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Hot off oh, the press. Awesome. So wow. you guys are one of the first to, to know about it, and I'm sure the, the listeners of this podcast will hear about it soon. I mean, a few people probably know because I haven't really been completely quiet about it, but I thought I'd yeah, announce it here. Yeah. Fantastic. So you had the polls out? <laughs> okay, so that is the next step of my training. I've I've gotten I've gotten out and done some, you know, easy runs, got the legs feeling like they are uh, moving well again. I got out and did two hours around the um Zelandia fence line today and covered it got about eight hundred meters of vert over twenty kilometers, just under a couple hours or a couple hours of running. So yeah, feeling good, feeling good. But that you're exactly right. With uh UTMB comes even more preparation. So that's a hundred miler with. Oh, I should I should know this about eleven thousand meters of vert. You guys probably know something like that. Something like that. Something yeah. ridiculous, anyway. So yeah. I've got to get those poles out, as you say, and get some practice in because I think the only time I've used poles before was back in my adventure racing days when I did God Zone. Um, and so there's going to be a huge difference between running with ultralight poles and. Yeah, kind of just dragging my body around the um, 
the Wanaki area with probably <laughs> way different poles 10 years ago. <laughs> so you're going to be up and down tip track with, with your poles going? Uh, yeah, and more exciting news is I'm moving out to the hut. So tip track or um, there's Mount Climbing, which is a nice 700-metre climb out there, or Belmont Trig, or even getting out into Tararoas is even going to be more accessible. So I'm nice. looking forward to that. You know, it's going to be more... Um, yeah, more hiking training with with those poles, and hopefully I get decent with the technique, so yeah. I can really actually you know make good use of them rather than just carry them around just for the looks. Yeah. <laughs> now the white, the white. Um, what do you call it? The, uh, the you need the racing suit with the white with the yeah. white uh, calf sleeves, but they need go to be real Euro. They need to be faced yeah. perfectly, so you need to have the logo like the ASICS logo like faced really perfectly. Oh, that's the look. It. I'm sure Asics Europe will have that uh, skin suit waiting for me when I get there. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. But you're, you know, with your hunting background, you'd be used to having a, having a rifle on your back. So, you know, a couple of poles, you'd be sweet ass. Sweet ass. Yeah, I don't typically use the old rifle as a walking stick um, unless it's in super <laughs> steep country. But, yeah, it's, it's just going to be a different experience, right? So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. It's... um. Yeah, it's going to be a new challenge anyway because you're right, there's going to be so much more hiking in that race and I'm hoping from my outdoorsy kind of hunting background, like, you know, the at least I'll be used to the hands-on-knees type walking. The, um, the um, what do you call them, running poles will just be another element. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally. It's, it's, you're right. It's, um, yeah, it's like you've had so much time in the backcountry. What's a, you know, what's a little bit of vert? Yeah, I, it's... A little bit or a lot, I don't know. But it's just going to be super tough. It's, I, I probably don't even know what I'm. I don't know what I'm in for. That's the crazy thing is like I'm going into this race coming off Western Stage, which has got about five thousand meters of vert to do double that over the same distance. That felt like a lot of hills, to be honest. So this is going to be next level. I'm, mm. I'm hoping I can get out there a few weeks before the race to to do a bit of recce over the course, um, but from yeah, from what I'm aware, I don't think the altitude or the heat should be too much worse than what I experienced at Western State. So it's just more so going to be, yeah, getting some more time in the hills, getting used to that vert. The last case flat, I hear. So. <laughs> Got that to and, look forward to. <laughs> and, and what we hear also is that first 5K is makes the run uh, through to Broad Bay look like a Sunday stroll because it's – elbows and you know super super fast people sprinting super fast but look uh, man it's been incredible talking to you we'll let you continue on your recovery and how cool like regardless of of the uh regardless of the result like what a cool process for you in this year you know tarawira westerns so the dub at tarawira you know fifth place at western and utmb as well like what a year yeah, well, I figure, you know, the year's gone pretty damn good so far. Like, another experience for UTMB. I say this now, um, whatever the result may be, I've had a great year. Um, <laughs> and it's just going to be another hell of an experience. So, why not? Just icing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Are, are your parents going to come with the crew? Not this time around. You know, they still need a few more months of uh, recovery after that first one, eh? Yeah, mum's recovery plan. Yeah, Driving from yeah, country to country to, to country would be a different thing, eh? <laughs> Baguettes out the window. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. They probably wouldn't mind it, you know, good wine country. 
Good Trick. wine, good cheese, good baguettes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, bro, hey, thank you so, so much, Dan. It's been Appreciate so great it. to talk to you and, um, yeah, rest up, man. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks so much, guys, and keep doing your thing for the awesome uh, trail community here in New Zealand and, and overseas. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, man. I'm very excited about yeah. Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Yeah. Yeah. And just very excited for Dan. I mean, you can hear the... You can hear the enthusiasm. You can just hear the stoke. Eh? It's just so... It rings like a bell. He's just so in the moment and just, yeah, amazing, amazing. Do you reckon amazing. he's sized up for the uh, white lycra yet? Yeah. I don't know. He didn't sound so enthusiastic about that. But I well, when, when we did talk to him, he was wearing like a like a was it a Swazi or hunting and fishing? Yeah, like, it's definitely a hunting outfit. Yeah, he looked like he came straight out of the backcountry, didn't he? But that's the thing about Dan. I mean, you you know, famously known as an incredibly fast runner and you know runs in um carbon shoes on on trail and so on. So you go, oh yeah, he's got the got the running speed. Um, he's got the road speed, but. He's a kid who's grown up in the backcountry, you know. Mm. He's grown up um, in the hills, and um, so he's he's going to love getting out in the hills uh, over there. It's going to be in his his, his um, I'm sure he'll be in his element, absolutely. Yeah, and and just the gen- you know, even for me, the thing you know, suggesting that a friend of ours who's also going over to race, also going over as an elite, but just the enthusiasm with which. He was like, oh, get us in touch, put us in touch. That'd be so good. That'd be so good. You know, like mm. there's, it's just, it's fantastic to see our sport needs more of it. So not um, as enthusiastic as he was over that ice cream that we sprung him and Michelle buying at the dairy in Tiano after uh, Kepler. Yeah. That was a big ice cream. That was a big, well, um, he was we didn't very enthusiastic necessarily spring him. And I think our exact no, no, words yeah, sorry, were spring like, was the spring was the wrong word. But. It was like, you should actually have two of those. Yeah. Like yeah. you go, you do, you go hard, son. You, you deserve you that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. But look, thanks, Dan. Incredible chat. And thank you all so very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and follow if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. Um, have a read of them on the website. Have a look at Tim's photos this week. And then um, think about sending your own one on dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Running, for the Faster, Currens and Ciali. Thank you to our Patreon patrons and Wild Things. Stay tuned for our show in two weeks where we've got another great guest lined up. Hey, Kona. Hey, Kona. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>